Welcome to The New Normal, a series of seminary videos and podcasts inspired by a global pandemic. We are the Brothers Anderson. Each week, we will share with you insights and questions to support your study of the Book of Mormon. Now buckle up, eat your vitamins, here we go. It is proposed that we sustain Russell Marion Nelson as prophet, seer, and revelator, and president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Dallin Harris Oaks as first counselor in the First Presidency, and Henry Benyon Eyring as second counselor in the First Presidency. It is proposed that we sustain the following as members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. M. Russell Ballard, Jeffrey R. Holland, Dieter F. Uchtdorf, David A. Bednar, Quinton L. Cook, D. Todd Christofferson, Neil L. Anderson, Ronald A. Rasband, Gary E. Stevenson, Dale G. Renland, Garrett W. Gong, and Ulysses Sawadis. It is proposed that we sustain the counselors in the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators. So that's what it sounded like in our most recent general conference. Um, so, Brother Anderson, mm-hmm. what are we going to talk about? Believe me? The cra- <laughs> See, I use your own joke. The, uh, <laughs> the correct answer? Prophet, seers, and revelators. Yeah, see, look at that. He can be taught. That was take two, P.S. <laughs> now, um, sometimes I wonder, and I don't know if our listeners have ever had the question, but why does the sustaining and why does the temple recommend question, why does it emphasize all three of those roles of prophet, seer, and revelator? So it's kind of what we're gonna we're gonna yeah. kind of talk about. We've we've been debating this all morning and kind of sharing and kind of dissecting and so we got a, we got a couple of insights that we want to share with you. So if you're not if you haven't opened your scriptures to Mosiah eight, um, please do so. If you haven't read Mosiah eight, you know the drill. Pause, go read it, and then come back with your journal and ready to mark some scriptures because we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna jump. Uh, we're gonna jump ahead. Let's get some context. Give us some context to the chapter. Yeah, we're still we're still not in the middle of the flashback. We're still with uh, 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 Ammon, who was sent by Mosiah, King Mosiah, in the land of Zarahemla, has sent Ammon to go find the people of Zenith, and he doesn't find. He finds the people of Zenith, and they're being led by Zenith's grandson Limhi. So, so same as yesterday, um, as part of this whole yay, we're we're gonna be saved. And Zarahemla is not destroyed. Um, Limhi tells Ammon uh, about a group of people. It says in, in chapter 8, verse 7, he says that he caused 43 of my people should take a journey into the, into the wilderness so they can try to find Zarahemla. And they get lost for the space of many days. Um, they end up coming upon this ruinous land where... Uh, buildings are, are all broken down and destroyed, and there's heaps of bones, and they find swords and shields that are all, that are all you know, cankered, cankered and, and rusted out. But they find 24 golden plates, um, and, and they get real excited about that. But they, they bring it back to Limhi. Except that, except that the language that the plates are written in 
They can't. They they don't. They don't know what the plates say. Right. Can I can I just pause a little bit? Interrupt something. I just found this interesting. Did you just look at verse five? That uh, Limhi caused the the plates which contain the record of his people from the time that they left Zerahim. That even even a wicked generation like culturally keeping a record on plates was just something culturally they did. Yeah, so but even, I, even during the times of Noah. But I'd love to read Noah's book. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'd love to hear what they think. <laughs> what they what they think they were doing, and they're like, oh, and then this wicked man Abinadi showed up, like and he started tell, calling us names. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was interesting that even even a wicked um, people. So as but but as soon as they they read this record to Ammon, Limhi's like, hey, I have other plates. Do you know anybody who can read unknown languages? Do you know Do you know anybody who can, as it says in verse six, uh, interpret languages? Uh, because we got a story for you. Well, and, yeah, and that's when and that's, they launch and that's, out. And yeah. that's, that's when they wander and they find this. So verse 12 is, and I say unto thee again, knowest thou of anyone that can translate? And Ammon's like, I can't translate. Well, and I think I think his answer in verse 13 is kind of cool. I'm, I'll put it into some, some modern terms here. He says, well, I don't know how to do it, but I got a guy. Right. I know somebody. And he can look, and then now, now we're going to go back to the scripture, verse thirteen. Um, he has wherewith that he can look and translate all the records that are of ancient date, and it is a gift from God. And the things, the things that he can use, are called interpreters. No man can look at them except he be commanded, lest he should look for that which he ought not and should perish. And whosoever is commanded to look at them, the same is called a seer. Okay. So instruments, we, we, we want to discuss instruments for a moment. So this kind of sounds like um, the idea of... You're, you're talking the interpreters. Yeah, these, these instruments, these interpreters. Um, so the fact that Joseph Smith needs to utilize a Urim and Thummim and then later a seer stone, this is not an uncommon practice. Mm-hmm. When else in scriptural history has interpreters or, or instruments, some kind of an object been used to interpret or translate. Well, I, I think in, in verse 13, you probably ought to put a cross-reference here for Mosiah chapter 28, verse 13, um, where you actually get a description of what these interpreters, what these specific instruments look like. And so if you were to go to that verse, you'll, you'll see, you'll hear a very uh, familiar um uh, uh, kind of explanation of what these interpreters are. They're two clear stones that are set in a bow um, that one looks through. So that should sound super familiar for those of us who know the Joseph Smith story. That's that's exactly how he describes it. Two clear stones. So you're saying ribbon. that these are the same. This is the same Urim and Thummim. We that are Mos- that Mosiah has. This is the same Urim and Thummim that Joseph Smith uses to translate the Book of Mormon. We are inferring that that's the case. What we can say, because I mean, we're we're inferring, uh, just because. Well, because it be, because it says it's the same that it looks the same. We can we can say yes, but it, Joseph doesn't say these are the same ones that Mosiah had. We just what know we do have is well, they are the same ones that that the brother of Jared had. All right, so if you want to if you want to see that, so Doctrine and Covenants section seventeen, uh, verse one says, and I got to open my scriptures there. Behold, I say unto you. Now this is this is the Lord speaking to the three witnesses, the three witnesses: Martin Harris, David Whitmer, and Oliver Cowdery. 
um, have been selected by the Lord to be the three witnesses, but they don't see only the plates. Um, the Lord says in verse 1, I say unto you that you must rely upon my word, which if you do with full purpose of heart, you shall have view the plates right, and also the breastplate. right, And it just says breastplate. The sword of Laban, the Urim and Thummim, which were given to the brother of Jared upon the mount when he talked with the Lord face to face, and the miraculous directors, which were given to Lehi. We know that to be the Lehi. The Lehi, right. So the, first, so the three witnesses see more than just the plates. They see all these other holy relics. And, and it's, it's actually Joseph who describes it as the breastplate with the ribbon, with the clear stones attached to it, which is why I said we assume this is the same thing. It doesn't say the same one that Mosiah had. It says it's the same but one. But the, li- the likelihood that, that, that it's Jared the same had. one. Brother of Jared. Very, very high likelihood. Right. Okay, so we've got these set of interpreters. We now. actually have a different reference. If we want to go back to the book of Moses in chapter 6, you have the prophet Enoch who also looks through an instrument, and it says that he gets eyes to see, and he has kind of a vision of the spirit world opened up to him. We also have Moses in Exodus that right. is given some instruments, and he calls them a Urim and Thummim. Which is actually where we, we get that from the Old Testament more than we do from... And the Book of Mormon, since they have the Old Testament. Right. That's that's why they call it that. Now, Urim and Thummim literally just means light in right. light and truth or light and knowledge. It's light and truth. Light and truth. So it's just it's just an old light, language. Lights and truth. Lights and truth. Because it's, plura, it's yep, plural. Urim. Yep. Okay. So we have these instruments. Now, um, a person who then is able to utilize such instruments, they are called a seer. Commanded to look in them is a seer, right? So this isn't just somebody who who can, it's somebody who is commanded to. Because we have possession today of the seer stone. Yeah, Joseph's. And we we all look at the same seer stone that Joseph used, we all look at it and it just looks like a rock. Right. And it it doesn't show us anything. Right. Because... We're not commanded to. And we're not seers. Right. That's not our calling. Right. Um, but we have modern prophets, seers, and revelators. And I don't think that means... So does that mean that they, that President Nelson is using an instrument? Um, I'm, no, not necessarily. Just simply... Well, let's get to some definitions here for a second. Let's let's talk yes. about it. So if, if, you, if you keep going down the verses... So that was verse 13 in chapter 8. Um, in chapter 14 and 15... That's when Ammon says he's the king of the land of Zarahemla, right, who has this gift. And it's, and it's King Limhi who says, oh, well, a seer is greater than a prophet. So that's, that's where we, that's like bigger, or maybe our first question. Is that true? Is a seer greater than a prophet? So we got we to look at some definitions just to kind of clarify some of these terms. And Ammon, now and then and, verse and, 16, yeah, right? Yeah, Ammon in verse 16 then takes and says that a seer is a revelator and a prophet also. And a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can, yet a man may have many great power given to him from God. Right. Okay. So prophet, seer, and revelator, these are things that are that go together. Right. Okay. Right. So if you're a seer, you're also a prophet, you're also a revelator, right. which is why we sustain President Nelson as a prophet, prophet seer, seer, and so, revelator. So it should sound super familiar in our modern church that we use those same three titles. But, but understanding what those three titles means is, is kind of an interesting exercise, which we kind of went down that rabbit hole this morning uh, as preparation for this. So, okay, start with prophet then. <clears throat> well, let's, let's look at, there's a, there's a quote that's often used, and I'm just going to bring the quote up for your references, but then we're going to kind of move beyond the quote and try to get some, some deeper understanding. Um, John A. Widstow, Widstow uh, an apostle uh, in the, the turn of the century, right? So he says this. 
1960, he says, A prophet is a teacher of known truth. A seer is a perceiver of hidden truth. A revelator is a bearer of new truth. In the widest sense, the one most commonly used, the title prophet, includes the other titles and makes of the prophet a teacher, perceiver, and a bearer of truth. And I think he's actually taking that reference as when we talk about our prophet, prophet President Nelson, that we're inferring that he is also he is a prophet. He has all these things and a as seer needed. and a revelator. But if we can kind of break them down a little bit, there's there's some added information we can probably glean from what these these titles. So the first one says the prophet is a teacher of known truth. Right. Um, Bible dictionary prophet is a fourth teller, right. not a foreteller. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Uh, I know it sounds funny to say you know, prophecy, but prophecy really is talking about things that are happening in the future. Um, that's not necessarily what a prophet does. A prophet, and, and that's not necessarily what prophecy is. Right. Either. No. Yeah. So you have a couple of things. You got uh, Revelation 19.10 is a good cross-reference where it says the spirit of prophecy is simply the testimony of Jesus Christ. So anybody who has a testimony of Jesus as has born, the spirit of prophecy. Well, the, the testimy of Jesus as born... By, by the, the, by the, by the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. Right. So when the Holy Ghost has moved upon us and we have felt to testify and we know that Jesus is the Christ, mm-hmm. that is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah, as it, uh, that's a, it's an interesting question. Have you ever prophesied before? Well, according to that definition, have you ever stood up and bore testimony when you felt the spirit? Yeah. You, you prophesied. That I've had the spirit you, of prophecy. You, you are a prophet, my friend. And we that's get confused because the world, when they talk about prophecy and prophets, they're thinking of somebody like a fortune teller. Right. Somebody who, who can predict. Ball. Yeah, they can somehow predict the future. And while there, there is some of that, a prophet is a teacher, somebody who is going to stand in front of us mm-hmm. and declare, if we don't repent, right. dot, 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 in or fact, if we keep the commandments, right. dot, 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 and, and, and promises us. And things. the Bible dictionary is pretty clear. A prophet is one who's going to call people to repentance and kind of uh, set up what are the consequences of breaking God's law? And here, you know, here are the consequences of sin. So, and usually, prophet is, is that. Yeah, and usually those statements are under um, divine commandment. Right. The Lord, like, the Lord has commanded that individual to go and declare these things. So, so has so, President Nelson ever acted as a prophet in to, this sense to command us to repent? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> kind of gave us an entire talk. Yeah, that was. And he, and he even, and he, and if you look back at that talk, he starts it out by saying. This is what prophets do. We right. declare repentance to, to this generation. In fact, he says prophets are not to say anything but declaring repentance. And if you get to the book of Numbers, I can't remember what the chapter is, like chapter 10 or 11, Moses actually says, oh, I would to God that all of Israel were prophets, that we could all have that spirit of discernment and be able to recognize when people need to repent or when we need to repent. And so prophet has a very important role to play. Um, and so it's interesting that Limhi's like, ooh, a seer is greater than a prophet. And that's when Ammon says, no. Well, let's look at it. Yeah. yeah it's, that's, it's, kind of, it's kind of the same thing. A seer is a, a revelator is, and a prophet also. Right. Okay. So then, so then the, second, the second piece then is seer. Right. A seer is a, quote, perceiver of hidden truth. Or if you want to just... It's a, this is a little... It's a seer. Yeah, somebody right? who sees... 
So if you go back to the Moses 6, verses 35 through 36. Yeah, let me read those. That, that's, that's a really good definition of what a seer is. So this is, The Lord spake unto Enoch and said unto him, Anoint thine eyes with clay and wash them, and thou shalt see. And he did so. And he, be, and he beheld spirits that God had created, and he beheld also things which were not visible to the natural eye. Right. So we, last week, we had a conversation about the natural man. Right. So he's saying that this, these imperfect eyes, that we, there's, there's somehow, uh, you know, God can give us power to be able to see more than what our natural eye can see. And from thence came the saying abroad in the land, a seer hath the Lord raised up unto so, his people. So that could, that could take in vision, couldn't it? Absolutely. Like if you have a vision. So back to your original question, does President Nelson as a seer, does he have a physical object in which he performs his seership? Uh, back to that verse, there wasn't any there wasn't rocks. An object. Yeah, he no. didn't. He didn't look into a stone. In fact, we we know from the history of the translation of the Book of Mormon, Prophet Joseph Smith, when he completes the translation, he actually gifts the seer stone to Oliver Cowdery, and he tells him, "I don't need this anymore. Right? I have learned. I've learned to do this without the use of an instrument. Right? And so." Yeah, you can have an instrument, but I think sometimes the instrument are like training wheels. Right, right. It's just something to aid the process of seership to be able to see things. And then eventually Joseph Smith declares, my mind has become a Urim and Thummim. Right, meaning meaning his mind is now that's that that spiritual eye. And then we have, see yeah, and then things. we even have some language that in, in section 130 of the Doctrine and Covenants where the Lord describing what the celestial kingdom is going to be like, that each one of us are going to have a stone. A stone, right. And that the, or, and or that that the celestial kingdom itself will be a, a, Urim and a big Urim and Thummim where we will be able to see things which, that we have never understood Which before. is really interesting because, to be honest, this, this, this idea of a stone that lets us see hidden truth, um, who is it that has access to all truth? God, God does. God, God does. is all-knowing yeah. and, and has access to all truth. A seer is one who is experiencing the knowledge of God. And when it says the, the celestial kingdom is going to become a seer stone, what is that telling us that we're going to have access to? You're going to have access to everything that God yeah, has. So, so that's, a, yeah. Going back, though, let's not get too far ahead. In, in what Ammon teaches in is that, 17. yeah, well, in verse 13, whoever is commanded is called a seer. Please understand, a, a prophet can be anybody who's preaching repent, repentance. A seer is a calling, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and verse 17 kind of gives us a little bit of... Yeah, so verse 17, so we, we need to see a little bit more. We, we, got, we got way like planet salvation, celestial kingdom. But let's just look at the here and now and what it means to us. Here's what seers do. According to uh, verse 17, a seer can know of things which are past and also things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest and hidden things shall come to light. Right. And things which are not known shall be made known by them, and also things shall be, uh, excuse me, and also things shall be made known by them which otherwise could not be known. Right, right. Um, this reminded me, so another cross-reference to add to verse 17, um, for those of you keeping track. Um, please, please write in Doctrine and Covenants section 101, verse 54. This is just a different take on what this seer can do. This is talking about 
a watchman on a tower. If you can think of, let's, so we nerded out on on uh, Harry Potter. I'm going to go Lord of the Rings now. Good. Yeah. Because I think you need to. And if you, and for, <laughs> for those of you that have not seen the Lord of the Rings movies, shame on you. Um, <laughs> I, know that, be, I know that was way back in like 2000. It's got to be the director's cut though. Like the full on oh, four hour yeah, movies yeah. each. <laughs> You need if you're looking for something to do during quarantine, watch like the full director's cut of the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Sure, just read the dang books, all right? Quit oh, being okay. so dang so then, lazy. Just right. read the books. Um, but if, in in all of these movies, you have these these really extravagant sets of these of these castles, right. these kingdoms. And what do all of these kingdoms have in common? Well, they all have these just ginormous towers. towers. Right. And and in these towers, there's always somebody that's on watch. And in fact, there's a, there's a part in the movie where they light they light this beacon, right? Right. And and all of these guys that are in these watchtowers, they see the beacon lit, and they light their beacon, and then it, therefore it just kind of it just transfers from one beacon to the next, and it communicates that there's an emergency to right. to to another another part of the kingdom. Well, here's what the Lord says in section one one fifty four. Behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. And then you could have made ready and kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hands of the destroyer. We've talked lots about vineyards. Right. We've talked a lot about, you know, how the Lord will groom us and prune us and prepare us. But isn't it great that he's also established towers and watchmen to, to prevent enemies from coming in and destroying our vineyards? Right. So here's my real question. What was that beacon called? <laughs> I know. I'm just not going to say. Oh, do you know what it is? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, I was going to be really impressed that, if you nerd them. I mean, 17 is that's that description. They can know of things that are past, things that are to come. By them, all things shall be revealed. And the last definition is a revelator, which there's some things that we could probably get into to talk about, which, which maybe do a little bit of research. Uh, what that could be, whether the revelator is one who is moved upon by the Holy Ghost and receives communication, if a revelator is just what causes people to be prophetic and a seer, wh- whatever it means, um, it, it sure. I think that was one that we were a little bit iffy on, uh, on getting a, an exact definition. But 18 is the real purpose behind all of this. Why is it that the Lord has often and constantly and consistently operated through prophets, seers, and revelators, and it's in verse 18. Thus God has provided a means that man, through faith, might work mighty miracles. Therefore he becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. And, and I love how Ammon responds to this. Um, Ammon made an end of these speakings, and, and the king rejoiced exceedingly and gave thanks to God. Um, verse 20, how marvelous are the works of the Lord, and how long does he suffer with his people? Yeah. Um, when have you, maybe this is a, a, a personal, we, when we think about the, the great gift it is for the last 200 years to have a prophet, seer, and a revelator upon the earth. Right. What is it that you're most grateful for? Well, I mean, I think that I just struggling back and forth with some of these definitions and trying to understand what it is. Without a somebody working in the role of prophet, seer, and revelator, Joseph Smith, uh, without that full knowledge of that role, when he taught the doctrine of the family and he brought he brought back the new and everlasting covenant or restored that covenant again, 
which allows me to be sealed to my family for time and all eternity, um, that is a huge blessing that I personally have experienced because God works through prophets, seers, and revelators. That's, that's me personally. I'm grateful that we have somebody that has their eyes open. Right. That they can see things. So right now we're going through COVID-19. We're in quarantine. Um, and and I, I'm going to ask our listeners to just reflect on what has been the message that President Nelson has been constantly giving to us as a seer. And it's always been one of hope. It's always been one of comfort. And in fact, he's come back and said, we're going to get through this just fine. Right. In fact... Is he saying that as a hopeful doctor? Or is he saying that as a seer who has received as a revelator? Can it be both? Yeah, absolutely. Because I believe, I believe that God has prepared him yep. to be here at this very unique time in the earth's history, prepared him medically um, to give some, some qualification, but that's not always necessary. Prophets don't have to have earthly qualifications. But when, when, a, when this particular prophet speaks and gives us comfort and says, you know what, everything's going to be all right, Here's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on our families. Yep. We need to focus on keeping the Sabbath day holy. Mm-hmm. And we need to focus on being being better students of Scripture right. and studying as families in the home. Right. And when, when we have a prophet that can see those things, and, and somebody of his advanced years and has visited as many places, as I mean, he can see so many more things than we see. Yeah, how marvelous are the works of the Lord.